0: Hey everybody, this is the Simpson show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt and we are here to talk about the Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you?
1: I am fantastic. I'm glad I don't have 8 children. Now I'm glad I don't have one. I mean, you do have a lot of animals though. That's true. It's practically the same. <laughs> not
0: not quite. That picture of all your animals near the cat tree was very very cute. Indeed it was. Thank my
1: wife for that. She is a, quite the cat photographer. That was
0: very that was a very good picture. Um Hi, guys. We are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only two dollars a month, again gain access to all of our bonus content, including, by the time you listen to this, a bonus episode, our review, our discussion about Disenchantment, Matt Groening's new Netflix show. All our thoughts. Um, spoilers. We like it. That's our hot take. It's good. Uh, we have someone to thank, Matt. Uh, the best people in the world? Okay. Yep. Paul Taylor? Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Paul. On to this week's episode. It is eight, Misbehaving, episode B A B F O three. Originally aired November twenty first, nineteen ninety nine. Written by Matt Selman, directed by Stephen Dean Moore. The rating of nine point two, which is just over nine million viewing households. The chalkboard gag, Indian burns are not our cultural heritage, which is recycled. It is an old one from King Size Home, you know.
1: I feel like that one might uh, need to come off the old rotation.
0: I mean, I won't argue that Indian burns is a thing that I would say as a child, which is technically what Bart is doing. He is a child writing these things on a chalkboard, but it doesn't make it any more appropriate. You know, when you're using, it doesn't matter. I I don't know. 2018. It's a, you got to navigate it carefully. The couch gag, uh, the Simpsons are on the couch. Walsman's around revealing Vincent Price torturing Ned Flanders, which Matt's description of the couch gag did not even describe the guy as Vincent Price.
1: I did not realize it was supposed to be Vincent Price.
0: It looks like Vincent Price, man. Come on.
1: I mean, I, I guess I'm not as clued into, uh, you know, what Vincent Price looks like as you are. How many Vincent Price movies have you seen? Zero. Edward Scissorhands does oh, not count. Oh, no. What's that? Edward Scissorhands does not count. Uh, oh, I didn't realize he was in that. Uh, No, I think he was in, I think it was the original Fly movie, which I've seen. Okay, that counts. But you haven't seen like his campier, like later movies? No, definitely not. Oh, they're so good.
0: They're my favorite ones. Like, Fair he was in Straight Heart early on, more, closer to Straight Heart early on in his career. But the later, like the late 60s and 70s, like campy stuff is my absolute favorite. Wow. All right. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie that I really, really like. My favorite one. It's the Shakespeare play one.
1: When was that? It's based on a Shakespeare play?
0: No. What? It, uh, Vincent Price is a playwright or an no, actor, a Shakespearean actor, plays a Shakespearean actor who he gets draw, driven out of the profession by a bunch of critics ravaging him by telling him he's terrible. They start calling him terrible and all that. Aww. and he comes back uh, I think he fakes his own death, comes back and kills all of the critics with gruesome versions of Shakespeare plays
1: ooh, fun, that sounds great
0: find it, Theater of Blood Theater of Blood, 1973 <laughs> horror comedy very, very good Um, this episode guest stars Jan Hooks as Manjula, Gary Marshall as Larry Kidkill and Butch Patrick as himself good old himself.
1: Mr. Kidkill <sighs> I don't like that name, Matt. Uh, well, why, Robbie? Do you think it's a little on the nose? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, okay.
0: Yes. Like to not to put a fi- two point fine a point on. Yes, it is exactly too
1: too a little too much on the nose for me.
0: Um, the episode begins with the Simpsons going to IKEA. I, I mean, not IKEA. I mean shop.
1: Yes, definitely not
2: IKEA. These Swedish furniture designers sure have some far out ideas. I mean, a green table. I wouldn't have thought of that in my wildest dreams. And these beanbag chairs look so comfortable. Uh, what? Hey, There's someone else in here. Arr, she swallowed me whole. You put it together yourself. All you need is me, Alan Wrench. <laughs> He's named after what he is. Cool costume. It's not a costume. They found me inside a meteor. Excuse me, where are your hamper lids? Hamper lids, uh, third floor. Help! I need tungsten to live. Tungsten. <laughs> Ooh, look at all these clever pencil holders. Ooh, I want to get the crunk. Mm, you don't want something that overshadows the pencils. How about this purpley? Mom, no. Everyone in school picks on the purpley kids. Even I do. Just hate them so much.
1: My irrational hatred for people using different products than you is just a normal normal thing these days. I guess I, now we know where it started. I mean, it started long before this, man.
0: Um, my <laughs> my question for you about Alan Wrench is: Alan Wrench actually an alien that needs tungsten to live, or is he a dude dressed up like a, an Alan Wrench who is just messing with Bart?
1: I don't know of any human who could fit inside that costume, so I'm going to go with alien. I don't know. There's a pretty. There's some pretty skinny skinny people on on yeah but he's in Earth. a weird shape so they'd have to be like inside the tube and his arms are like sticks hey, they're hey, not even big enough. To... matt i'm not saying you're wrong
0: but i'm saying for my sanity it makes me feel better thinking that it's just a dude
1: in a costume messing with part i mean ideally that'd be great otherwise you know we're, we're back inside looney tunes
0: <sighs> i i mean this and this episode largely avoids that largely it is not, it is, it is, for season 11, it is grounded. It still has inc- insane situations and some zaniness, especially at the end, but it largely is sensational, but not cartoonish. Right. Right. Which is, I'm I'm mostly okay with. Uh, we get, of course, we get the Swedish food joke thing going on. Uh, and then, while they're at shop, which is a great, that is a, honestly, I am amazed that there is not some big bulk store like an ikea or a walmart or a target or something a big box store that it's not just not called shop why is that not existed yeah, right? yet that seems like it should um the, probably because it'd be really hard to trademark that probably so they run into apu and Manjula, uh who are just i guess wandering around looking for what what were they originally i forget what they're actually looking for why they're there to begin
1: with i don't remember either cuz no one goes to ikea for fun you go there on a mission I don't know about that. I'm I'm pretty sure my mother-in-law has gone to Ikea for fun uh, on several occasions. Oh, whoa. I know. I know.
0: Uh, like, I go there. Like, I know exactly what I need. I need. A Okay, I need a bookshelf. I need a bed frame. Let's find the numbers, write them down, get to the warehouse, and get out as quickly as possible. Did I ever tell you this Ikea story, Matt? This is an entertaining story, so I'm going to tell you. Okay. We were we in Ikea once in South Florida. And we were wandering around the furniture display areas looking for something. And there was a man just tearing apart a sofa. Like actually cutting into it? Not cutting into it. Just pulling up. Like, you know, they're made to be easily disassembled. And he was literally... He was disassembling a sofa, a display sofa, in the middle of the floor. And he did not speak English. He was Eastern European, as far as I could tell. And... He obviously had important questions about this sofa. He's like, "How I probably, how do I take this apart and put it back together?" I assume. And the IKEA the uh, people on the sales floor were trying to make like, "Please stop. Please stop disassembling the sofa in the middle of our yeah. display." And he was just gesturing at it, "Please help." And like he's probably asking questions like, "I need to know if I'm going to buy this thing, I need to know how it works." And none of them spoke his language and it 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 felt like I walked into like a sitcom. It felt very, felt very strange. That poor man who just wanted to know how sofa was, uh, you know, worked. Yeah. And the, all the salespeople are like, "Please don't take apart the sofa." Um, we we left that man behind. So Apu, I would hope poo and Manjula are there. They see, and Maggie's there, and Manjula is playing with Maggie. And this brings up the question of children for Apu and Manjula.
2: So, have you two thought about kids? Well, sure we have, but the decision to have a child is not to be made lightly. (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) Kids are the best, Apu. You can teach them to hate the things you hate. And they practically raise themselves, what with the Internet and all. Well, perhaps it is time. I've noticed this country is dangerously underpopulated. Are you sure you want a child, Apu? You know, I do. I mean there comes a time in a man's life when he asks himself, who will float my corpse down the Ganges? Oh Hapu, take me now. Oh Calcutta.
1: Man, the Indian jokes are flying fast and they, crazy.
0: They really are. I they're I don't they're fine, you know. It it's just you know, looking back, it's just like really floating his yeah. corpse down the Ganges? We're gonna that's okay. So a Pooh and Major start they're trying to have kids. They want children, they're trying. Um, they're having problems. We get uh you know, we get Homer talking to Pooh Apu while Pooh's icing his his genitals, loins loins, his crotch in the ice cream freezer at the Quickie Mart. I'll pass on that ice cream. <sighs> no thank you. Uh, and it's nothing is working. They're just not having – they're trying everything, Homer. And and, and Apu goes to Homer for advice, and we see that Homer cooks his beans on the grill uh, inside the can without cutting a hole in the lid even. Because that seals in the flavor, Robbie. I do. It's really – that's a really fun little physical gag where Apu just acknowledges it silently and grabs a trash can lid to guard himself as a shield. Like without even saying anything, he just grabs it, he just holds it, he's ready. It's very good. Um, and Homer's like, No, babies just happen. I don't, we've never tried, they just have appeared. Um, so Homer is tries to help him out, he tries to set up a scenario for a guaranteed pregnancy where so Homer writes a strip and cuts the roof off of a booze car and has them dress up as uh teens basically, 50s teens to so that they have i i guess sex at makeout point and then definitely will have a child.
1: Right, because it, it's the situation it's not nothing biological, it's just uh the situations around it. Right,
0: precisely. Uh Homer is a bad writer. Has lots of loopholes in his writing. A lot of uh, continuity errors. So eventually they get pregnant and uh, apparently Homer is the one who did it, right? He set up that situation, Matt. Well, obviously. Right, obviously. Um so The Majula gets pregnant, we cut to nine months later.
2: Baby? Baby? Baby. Pirate? Oh. No, no, wait a minute. Pirates are wild. We are pregnant. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, get lost. Man, the last nine months sure were crazy. I'll say I learned the true meaning of Columbus Day. I enjoyed a brief but memorable stint as Sideshow Marge. I became the most popular girl in school, but blew it by being conceited. And then I learned the true meaning of winter.
0: So it's quite a lot of stuff to happen we in learned, nine months. We learned about all the things that happened in those nine months. I don't know. I, I, can we see some of those episodes? I'm, I'm amazed. I would really like to see Marge as Sideshow Marge. Why isn't that, We haven't. We've gotten. I, I really don't. I don't understand how we haven't gotten a Sideshow Marge episode lately. Like, they've already done a lot of episodes that they've made fun of, ideas that they've made fun of in the past. Why not now?
1: That's true. I, I mean, I just want them to go through that one episode. I want to say it's like season 13 or whatever, where they, they've they got stories for years. Mm-hmm. That A lot of those sound like great episodes. Mars becomes a robot. Not that one. I mean, I would love that one. Okay. I, I want
0: all of those. Okay. So, nine months have passed. Manjula's water breaks in the Quickie Mart. We go to the hospital where we... The, where They're... Not child, but children are revealed.
2: Say hello to your firstborn child. Oh, you shall be the jewel of our lives. Oh, now say hello to your other seven children. My, (laughs) what? We had quite a discussion about the funniest way to reveal them to you. You have octuplets? It rolls off your tongue and into your heart Octoplets A <laughs> Pooh you should have seen your face when they showed you those babies. <laughs> yeah that it looked just like that
1: Poor Pooh Poor Pooh he wasn't he just wanted one kid, but everyone else you know we'll we'll find out. Mm-hmm. We got a commercial uh with this shocking surprising news. Yeah, and when we come back, we find out why this happened because it turns out Manjula started taking fertility drugs, and Apu slipped her fertility drugs. Which it's one thing for her to decide that for herself, but man, Apu, that is. When I talked
0: about the, some of my mis- there's I have misgiving. There are sorry, there are are lots of things in this episode that take a episode that has good jokes in it and it has a solid structure, and then drags it down a little bit. It's all the Indian jokes, which aren't funny, and then. Yeah, we just slip people fertility drugs. Great. Uh, I don't. Th- it's some. It's just that those things. Some of the like the distasteful stuff that how we have seen rise up lately. Not great.
1: No, Not not great. Not fun. Not funny. But yeah, we're gonna have to push past it. Mm-hmm. Because then we find out that everyone in the Simpson family gave Manjula fertility uh, drugs. Uh, not Lisa. Also, we're pretty sure Homer tried his own because he apparently they taste like strawberries. Which sure. I don't know why pills would taste like strawberry. He didn't say okay. strawberries,
0: Matt. He says ovalicious.
1: Oh, what am I thinking of then? I don't know. They're they're pink. Mine tasted like strawberry. Mm, ovalicious. Oh, uh, okay. So we're both right. So you latched onto one part. I latched onto the other. Wacky behavior ensues. I mean, anyway. Why isn't Homer just eat strawberries? Well, I mean, I, I think he just wondered, wondered what they tasted like and was like, mm, here you go. Let me try some. I guess Turns that, out is, strawberries. that is the Homer Simpson method. Exactly. So uh, immediately after all of these, uh, you know, little little miracles are born, they hold a press conference because octuplets. that that was a big thing in the late 90s.
2: Would you say you and your babies have a love eight relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. No, say it. We need a (sighs) soundbite. We have a love-eight relationship. Yes, Kent Brockman, Channel 6. How would you respond to people who say this kind of multiple birth is more suited to, say, a possum than a human being? Who would say such a thing? Well, pundits, wags, (laughs) I'm not the one on trial here. No one is on trial. This is a joyous occasion for all, and the outpouring of support has been so lucrative. Yes, we have already received lifetime supplies of baby powder and Pepsi B. Three baby cola! A oh, poo hits the jackpot, and I'm stuck with these useless one-tuplets. Gee, sorry for being born. I've been waiting so long to hear that.
1: Yes, I'm sure Homer has waited for his kids to apologize for being born, since they were all, you know, horrific accidents.
0: It's not that they were also, being born, Matt. it's that they weren't five children, or six, or seven,
1: or eight. Yes, he's stuck with the one-tuplets, as he calls them. So, also, uh... I really want to know what Pepsi Cola, or uh, Baby Cola tastes like. like uh, How is that different from regular? Uh, you know what baby food tastes like? God, I hope it's not that. It's a
0: mix between that and soda.
1: All right, though. That that sounds terrible, and I don't ever want that. Thanks for the update. That's going to be punishment for trivia this season. Oh, God. Please, no. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. So hopefully Robbie forgets that. I don't forget uh, anything. We really? have the, the company's... I've given them lots of stuff for publicity. Uh, you know, they lots of the uh, Q-tips, although apparently not enough diapers, uh, a giant TV from Sony, which every family needs. However, when they first turn on the TV, it turns out that they have been upstaged by a couple from Shelbyville who have had nine babies, non-uplets, which is apparently barbaric compared to eight babies, which, you know, I, I had a baby entirely. That's, I, uh, that's barbaric.
0: I, I remember when, do you remember when this was a thing when and it's not like it's not anymore, but I feel like it doesn't seem to make the news like it want like these kids when someone, some woman gives birth to seven or eight, six, seven, eight kids. And it's like, I mean, I remember John and K plus
1: eight, I re- like all those, the Octomom, all those different. Well, yeah, because back then it, it was new and exciting. And now everyone's like, eh, whatever. We've seen that already. Those poor children. That's my. Yeah at the end of the day i go with those poor children
0: <laughs> So i watched i used to me and my sister used to watch johnny k plus 8 and wow
1: why would you do that
0: it was like you said it was a novel uh and i was a kid i was literally
1: a child when it came out fair enough i guess still and, weird reality tv is bad
0: i mean i again I, I have the same those poor child those poor children i'm sorry for them yeah but that's it. I don't know. I think this 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 show does like, this episode. That is the thing. This sh- this episode ex- excels at. It doesn't do it very delicately, but it does excel at the sensationalism of like of these people's lives of, rea- of It doesn't have a reality show element to it. It has like a sideshow element to it. But in the in the right. long run, it is the same thing. And I think the show does this episode does a good job at demonstrating how gross that is. And does not it does not mince words about that. You know, It uh, Apu no. and Manjula are kind of adamant in that in that regard. And it actually does a good job of developing why they would give in in the first place and why they ultimately decide not to go through with everything and like it. That is all developed well. And I I want to put that at the feet of Matt Selman, who generally writes those types, these types of episodes pretty well.
1: <laughs> That's true. As we'll get to, I believe in the the news group responses. So yes, uh, they have been upstaged by the non uplets, and instead of just uh, you know finishing their job and leaving like they're supposed to, the delivery guys who generally would have no connection whatsoever to the companies decide to steal all the stuff they were delivering for Apu and Manjula and bring it to the Shelbyville Nine because that's no, they, that's what happened. No, Matt, Matt,
0: listen to me. They are they have walkie talkies and the companies. Those are personal couriers for the companies. They are direct. Oh, they are wow. they are not contractors. Those are direct employees for Sony and baby food companies and whatever the ones the Q tip companies. They work directly for those companies. Those are sales reps for those companies. They're marketing people, and they recognize that immediately. The non uplets are more marketable and more uh, and, and better than the octoplets. And, and they even have a better catchphrase.
1: That's true. They're on cloud nine. Exactly. Uh, so yes. Uh, at this point, they take all the stuff and leave, and who uh, and Manjul are left with eight kids and no help from giant corporations, because that's the way the world is supposed to work. You're dependent on handouts from large corporations. Uh, no one is going to help you but yourself, and all it takes is a little bit of gumption to get out there and provide for those kids. Gumption good word. It's a good word. It's a fun word. Anyway, uh, at this point, uh, we see that this is really hard. It uh, turns out having eight babies is kind of a nightmare, uh, and Apu is luckily to slip off into dreamland.
2: Apu, it's 4 a.m. You're late for work. Oh, I just had the most beautiful dream where I died. Oh, no, you don't. Not till they're out of college. Listen, I'll die when I want to.
1: <laughs> so, yes, uh, Apu is fighting for his, his ability to... Uh, to, to die when he wants. I, uh, I, Imendula, of course, to say, no, you're not allowed to die. That's my, too much work for me.
0: My favorite is my favorite line in this episode. It is. I had this oh, th- a wonderful
1: dream where I died. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, there's the first quote. I always remember for this episode. The second quote is actually coming right up, so I'm not going to spoil it. OK, uh, we then see Apu at work and he is so incredibly exhausted. He's just allowing uh, Kearney, Jimbo and Dolph to steal a pallet load of beer. <laughs> Cause at this point, he just doesn't care. He's, he's drifted off into, to, you know, his own, like, half-slumberland. And, of course, uh, at this point, somebody from the neighborhood comes in to try and tell him how wonderful he has it because he has so many babies. And Apu lays a truth bomb on him.
2: Well, morning, Apu. How are the little blessings? Oof, they are a ravenous swarm of locusts just eating and screaming and grabbing and poking and pulling and drooling and two have cradle rash. How do you get cradle rash when you sleep in a suitcase? (laughs) They can be a handful of joy. Shut up. (laughs) They'll fill your lives with... Shut up. Can't put a price on a miracle. I can't believe you don't shut up.
1: That, uh, I can't believe you don't shut up. That's, that's worked its way into something that I say absolutely every day to dumb people. Which, thankfully, I work with a few, so, you know. Oh, you better hope they don't listen, Matt. Hey, I, I... So intensely doubt that anyone I have ever worked with listens to this show, <laughs> which is which is good for me because, you know, you know how I bad mouth a whole bunch of people. I'm going to let them
0: I'm going to find them. I'm going to hunt them down. I'm going to make them listen.
1: <laughs> good luck with that. I'm pretty sure they would beat you up rather than listen to me to talk about The Simpsons. Way too lazy to do any of that. Also true. <laughs> so, yes, uh, at this point, we see Marge, who is worried about Apu and Manjula because she knows how tough it is to have one baby and she can't imagine eight because. Obviously, eight kids is insane. Unless you are a rich person with servants, you are screwed. Homer is, of course, glad to be sterile uh, because of the nuclear plant. So obviously, he's not having any kids. So the Simpsons decided they're going to go over and check on uh, the Petalons and bring them banana bread. Banana bread. Which... Of course, Apu and Manjula, I'm sure, who are both working on possibly, you know, two hours of sleep each, uh, are not happy. Uh, they're, Apu is laid out on the floor with a bunch of bottles uh, attached to a vest that he is using to feed the children. Because, you know, obviously you can't feed eight children at once uh, with just a couple of nipples or, or even, you know, two hands worth of bottles. You got to set up a system of somehow. Otherwise, you're just cycling them in and out for, you know, their little their feedings, which are quite frequent for young babies. So at this point, uh, another clip I was going to capture but did not is they've turned into jerks, which, again, that's what happens when you, when you have new children. You and turn you don't, into a jerk because really there's no other response. And you don't sleep. I mean, you need sleep to be a person. That's true. Which is why I don't understand why human babies are as awful as they are. Like how did we evolve this stupid system of where no one gets sleep?
0: Some people have empathy, Matt, and like they look at a little baby and they go, Oh, look how cute that is and the the biological function inside of them, which we have evolved over millions of years, to to want to procreate, to make more of these little cute things.
1: I mean the creating part is fun, the taking care of not so much.
0: I mean that's the idea but... that's that it is our the trick system that is inside of us that that's 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 why we still exist. I, I don't want to. That's the reason that you and me are having this podcast is because the human species has managed to do this for a long, 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 long time.
1: That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, I, uh, hey, at this hey, point, hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, Matt, the octoplets—they're
1: mm, cute. I mean, the octoplets are yes, because they're drawings, and it's hard to
0: real get the weird
1: wrinkliness and misshapenness of an actual child into a drawing.
0: What's real baby? Hey
1: i don't have any kids real babies are cute no they are not human babies are ugly ugly things there are a few cute ones out there where i'm just like wow yeah but the vast majority of them are not attractive at all (laughs) you can (laughs) what (laughs) what the
0: fact that you said human babies (laughs)
1: Because some babies what? are cute.
0: Versus Kittens and what? puppies? Those super cute. We don't, we don't call... <laughs> we generally don't call animal babies babies at all. Generally, if I'm using the word baby, I'm talking about a
1: human baby. I mean, sure, that's that's what you hang out <laughs> I would with. Say,
0: I would say a kitten or a puppy, you know, or, like, I would not generally...
1: What do you call a monkey baby? I don't talk about monkey a babies. A baby monkey.
0: Exactly. <laughs> a... I know, but you don't call it a monkey baby. You you call it a baby monkey? It always ends with with monkey at the end. You know, you, it's a baby, a baby dog, a baby cat, which we call kittens or puppies, or, or like you know, it's a baby animal. Not, you I don't. It's okay. You don't have to specify human baby. I, we are the default. Well,
1: I do. We because are the... because that only applies to human beings. <laughs> human children are ugly, ugly things. I mean, they, uh-huh. most of them grow out of that. Oh, Usually by the time they're a toddler, they're cute as can be. But babies for the first two years of their lives are ugly, ugly things.
0: I, I don't know what kind of ugly babies you're hanging around Matt, because I think most babies are pretty cute.
1: All right, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree about this because we're going to have to move on to this is more bit, fun I mean, things. Matt, did you now. not
0: expect to talk about babies in the Octuplets episode? Not Honestly. the
1: attractiveness of babies, no.
0: <laughs> it's not a... That okay again, Matt. It is that is the wrong word. There's a different thing. Right, the cuteness all of the,
1: children. My bad. All cuteness. together,
0: oh, human babies. Human babies are ugly, exactly. Babies of other species gonna, are cute. I'm gonna make sure that's on your tomb, tombstone. Matt. It's gonna just say, Matt Ham, hey,
1: human babies are ugly. It's gonna be a thing you're you for. I don't plan it. on having children, and we, my, my wife and I, don't plan on having children, but if we do. I it would be a struggle to get through the first two or three years of life that child just because here, man here, that is here. an ugly thing.
0: Oh my God, Matt! <laughs> what kind of monster? What, kind of monster are you? If it's yours, believe me, you will. It is a biological function that I think you possess. That if you mm-hmm. had your own baby, if you had your own baby, you would. Your that that. The yearning and feeling inside to protect and care and love it would be too strong, and you would profess to how cute your own baby would be. It would be the thing that changed you, that that if, warmed if you your cold so. iron, that whatever you have inside of you, that loaf of banana bread that you call a heart, it would feel hey, and care hey, about hey. that little I'm baby. I'm not saying
1: I would not defend that child. I would save it from any type of ailment that happens to you just call your own animal. future Absolutely.
0: baby ugly matt i just want you to say
1: you said yeah, that those... does... oh i 100 percent said that That's... but like i said i'm i'm not heartless i would still give up a lot for that child and probably save it from wild animals and those sorts of things and what? people trying to kidnap it what? but i would not do so under the mistaken impression that it is a cute thing <laughs> i i'm not heartless robbie
0: wild animals <laughs>
1: Are you, is hey, that, wild is animals that... Are, If there's one thing cartoons have taught me, it is that wild animals are always trying to steal babies. Fair. It's a fair point. All right. Moving on. As Robbie said, the octoplets are cute, but they are a huge amount of work, and Apu sees fit to offer one to Marge, and Homer has to stop her from taking it. Because apparently we're going with that old stereotype that women always want babies. I mean,
0: I would object generally to that, but Marge is a very... Traditional mother, and she definitely loves. She's the one who always sees the best in Bart. She is the one that normally is the, you know, Maggie has the attachment to her. Marge is That's the, true. Like, if that I could ever have a, a, a
1: cartoon mom as my mom, it would be Marge Simpson. I mean, Marge is my cartoon mom. I'm not going to say if. <laughs> uh, so, yes, luckily for Homer, uh, at that point, there's a knock at the door, and Mr. Kid Kill shows up. To offer Apu a new, uh, basically a, an offer he cannot refuse.
2: Mr. Nahasa, Pasa, Ah, oh, forget it. Listen, you look like you could use some help. Come with me. Okay. But you don't know who he is. Who cares? There's only one of him. What if your babies could live in a place with round-the-clock childcare, all expenses paid, full medical, dental, tutors, the works? I would say that there must be some sort of horrible catch. <laughs> the zoo? What? Everybody loves my zoo. You don't love my zoo? I dare you to look at a kangaroo and not laugh. I dare you. Well, they're usually funnier. Uh, yes.
1: Uh, unfortunately, the, the kangaroos are, are not super funny uh, because turns out living in a zoo is not always a great thing, especially the one that Mr. Kidkill seems to be running that... Uh, hmm does not look like it's very fun for the animals
0: i i love gary marshall i think he's great um he's created some of the best television in, in history uh, i think he's great in this role i think the character itself is fine the name is the worst yeah, the, the name is the worst thing about him
1: well the name is very i want to say looney tunes because that's just awful no one would ever have that name and if they did they would definitely change it under any circumstances i don't even like kids and i would change my name from kid kill
0: yeah and i and i like it's there all it is there is to make us feel unsettled about him agreeing to take these children and like you don't need to do that because the tour of the zoo does that and the and the show itself it cements all that like i it does it i don't find it very funny and it it just makes it feel cartoonish. And in otherwise the episode that is otherwise not super cartoonish. Yeah, this is one of the most down to earth
1: ones we've had in a while.
0: Yeah. I mean it, it has crazy things happening, but nothing impossible. Nothing I would nothing that like it does not have the Loch Ness monster showing yeah. up. So.
1: Yes. Uh so at this point, uh we're introduced uh what's there at the zoo? Uh Mr. Kidkill shows off Apu, uh the you know, Habitat. <laughs> uh the slash nursery uh that the, the kids will be contained in uh and Butch Patrick uh from TV's Eddie Munster uh shows up to say that oh being in show business didn't harm him one bit. He's totally cool with it and he he's living a great life also while still wearing his costume from the show. Um Appu is completely convinced uh by Butch Patrick who he knows on site which is weird. Um not a Munster's kid, Matt. Uh, no, I, I never saw the monsters. like I, I did not see it until probably the late 90s. Much Patrick's still alive. Well, I would hope so. He didn't. I, he seemed like to be in his 40s or whatever in this show. So, you know, he's 65
0: now. But anyway. So, yes, he was in his 40s. I, I mean, if he's dressed up like that, I would recognize him if he is like it, I Theoretically, That's I know, a good point, I know what Eddie Munster looks like. So but I, my I, my question really is, why is he a werewolf when his father is a Frankenstein and his mother is a, uh, a Dracula, a vampire?
1: That is a very good point. Uh, I'm I'm sure someone has come up with a theory for that. Maybe he's adopted. I don't know. I didn't watch the monsters. I don't know if he is technically their biological son.
0: I was always I was a monsters kid, not a uh, Adams family kid. Oh,
1: I never saw either. I watched I I watched watched, watched lo- lots night. of night Nick, Nick at Night. So so <laughs> did I. I guess I guess I was in the the earlier branch of like like the 40s or whatever. Probably. Like those weird TV shows from the 50s and 60s.
0: Now they go to like seven. Now they just have fresh prints on there. Um, that doesn't—that seems so wrong to me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it does. It really does. Anyway, uh, at this point, Apu goes back to Manjula and slowly wheedles and convinces her that they would be living with the octuplets, so it would totally be okay. Like, this would be a good thing for them, a good thing for everyone. So she signs, and then Butch Patrick shows up to be a notary and somehow get another bedroom, and with that, we go to commercial. I mean, it's it's a good thing to be a notary.
0: It's a it's a useful thing to be a notary. You're you're it it costs quite a bit to be a notary. I know, but you can be like it. It can add utility to you to you and your your job. You know, sometimes sometimes you need to be a registered notary for certain positions. Abu and Manjula are enjoying the help because obviously they are. There's eight kids that now they don't have to take care of all of them without any help, and they have uh, all the supplies they need. They have a clean habitat uh to to raise the children in but we quickly see the catch because it is time for showtime it is time for octopia
2: I can't believe we're going to see the octoplets you already saw them yeah but now their umbilical cords have fallen off ladies and gentlemen get ready for the eight wonders of the third world welcome to octopia He can't talk, but man, can he rock! Say hello to the baddest baby in the whole damn town, animal! To oh. How
1: can he rebel? He doesn't even know where he is.
2: Uh oh, sounds like one of the babies has a fever. Oh. Dance fever, that is. Oh. <laughs> Let's hear it for dazzle! No, Liza, but it works. And now the stand-up who can't even sit up. Give it up for Punchline. (laughs) (laughs) He's thinking what we're all saying. But all the laughs in the world won't protect you from the stern discipline of the Baron. The rest. Good night, Springfield. We'll be back in an hour. It's
1: quite the show.
0: It is quite the show, and it. I. This is. I think this. This scene is ultimately what this episode hinges on, and I think it does a good job. It, it because it it manages that weird line of being theoretically believable. And like me saying that for a season 11 episode is insane, (laughs) but it manages that line of being theoretically believable. Like, okay, I can imagine a world where they do this to children. And I was just, we were just talking about all the, those reality shows that, that featured, you know, the kids of, you know, multiple births and this sideshow type show, I, we can imagine this. We can imagine this is a possibility. And the kids are just sitting there. They don't do anything. And, you know, they all the razzle dazzle is delivered by Gary Marshall, Larry Kidkill. So and, the, you know, the kid, all the the audience is like, Aah! like kind of this empty clapping. Lisa is there as this weird voice of dissent. She's like, none of this makes any sense. Why are we clapping for this? Why are you in here? And then you, and you get the response of a Pooh Manjula at the end where they're like, oh, no, this is what we signed up for and that is a it's a, a a it's a reasonable amount of to of kind of distasteful and gross for apu manjula to go no we don't it's not worth trading the 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 cost the cost is not worth it and it, it also has that gary marshall is really good at that it that kind of low key sardonic delivery where it feels like Hollywood presentation, like this is obviously supposed to be, but also kind of slimy. Yeah, and so it all it all wraps it up. It all works like in a little neat little bow and a Apu- poom. We are grossed out. A Apu- and we were grossed out. We're like, no, not the these poor babies. I don't please don't. We you know this is bad. And like every like it basically is a realization of all of your worst fears. You know when you first hear about this at at in, at, in the 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 earlier in the show. You're like, oh no, this is exactly what I thought it would be. It's terrible. So, and and I think they really nail it at the end when they say, see you again in an hour. We'll be hey. back in an hour. You're like, oh man, they're going to be doing this all day long. Oh no, these poor children. And so you're immediately like, alright, your team, Apu and Manjula. you want them to get these kids out. And that is what they want to do. Immediately, they're like, we want to break the contract. We want to get out. We need to get our children out of this place. And they try go to, to Mr. Kidkill. They try and go to, to, to Quimby. And ultimately, they have to decide to take the law into their own hands. How could
2: you do this to our children? I know. The lighting cues were a mess. Don't worry. The guy's been fired. Our babies are not circus freaks. We're taking them home now. Hold on, Alpo. We got a contract. Hey, not anymore. <sighs> Laminated. You monster. Terrence. Christopher. Will you show these two to the exit? Avec there. I'm afraid there's nothing I can do. The zookeeper paid you off, didn't he? Paid me off? What are you, crazy? So we'll never see our children again? Well, they might give Dazzle back. Uh, the buzz is she's got one more show to turn it around. Well, if the police won't help us, we'll simply have to take the law into our own hands. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are doing that these days.
0: I mean, I mean,
1: especially in Springfield, they are.
0: How? Oh, I mean, yeah, that's really the only form of justice there is in Springfield. So Homer and Apu sneak into the zoo and steal the children back. Which is it. Because what else are you going
1: to do at that yeah, point?
0: I mean, it's the right call. And it's the it is it solves the problem with a lot of these like late in the third act action sequences What we keep focusing on. It solves the problem of them because a lot of the time they don't seem to have a reason for existing. They are just there to like, oh, we need something to fill time and be entertaining and have try and get people to forget that some of this doesn't make sense. In this, it makes perfect sense. Yes, I want Apu and Homer to go get the children. They're trapped in this terrible zoo. Yes, please get them out. Uh, There is also a gorilla that wants them to take her baby, which is really sad, actually.
1: Yeah, that's that's, you know, w- when Mr. Kid Kill said, who doesn't love my zoo? Apparently the gorillas. And Homer just says, this is getting weird. I'm like,
0: I mean, gorillas are really smart, so it's not I, I wouldn't put a pastor gorilla to understand what was going on. And Yeah. girls are very intelligent. Um so they are ultimately caught by Larry Kiko. He finds them and wants his kids back. He they he signed a contract, blah, blah 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 blah. But I'm fairly certain you can't enforce uh, children being not tra- something like that. Tra- no. tra- trapped in a- but it does not matter. Um for the purpose of this episode. Because he could still sue them for breach of contract, I assume. So Homer has an idea for a better show to replace the Octoplets, And it is my biggest complaint about this episode. <laughs> oh, well,
1: it is incredibly dumb.
0: It is the last it's the last like 30 seconds. It's almost nothing. It, it is just again, I think it is indulging the worst of you know, the Scully years stuff. And because it's like. It's, it is because we cut to Homer. Homer saying, "Oh, I have this idea. It's a better show." And then we see him riding a, a a tricycle, I believe, right with Butch Patrick on his shoulders, on the same stage as Octopia was, except now it is filled with cobras who are biting Homer, and then a mongoose is released and the mongoose also attacks Homer. Got to be weird. I yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any. It's just like, hey, we didn't know what to, how to end this episode, so. We had Homer just have physical violence done to him. And, like, I doesn't do anything for me. I don't know why Butch Patrick is there. And you could easily – it feels like a layup in this one especially. This episode is all about Apu and Manjula and their kids. It feels like a layup just to have a sweet moment of with them and not focus – like, you could have Homer be doing a show or whatever. But focusing on them instead of Homer getting bitten by cobras, which I don't – I don't find enjoyable. <laughs> well, no, because it's dumb. I not even the du- it's not the dumbness that bothers me. Dumb physical comedy is a okay. It's that they could choose anything and they chose like a really nasty thing. Like a re- like cuz they say half the cobras are real and half of them are robots filled with venom. And it's just like purposely ultra nasty and I don't it's not that's I don't want it. I don't – especially in this episode, which is really about, like, Apu and Majula realizing that their kids value – their kids are valuable and they – it may kill them, but they need to take care of them and themselves. And then this ending is just like, now Homer getting bitten by venomous snakes. And I'm like – and venomous robots for some reason. I I don't know. It doesn't – it does not negate the rest of the episode, which I think is good. But – it certainly, oh, it along with the jokes, the India jokes, and the the, uh, well, the fertility drug thing, like drugging, like that stuff, does feel it's it's all detractors. It's all some negatives, and they add up. It's still this episode. Still, especially for season eleven, I was I was expecting to not like it at all. I end up liking it i think it's good i think it's worth it's, watching it's
1: way better than anything else so far in season 11
0: yeah a lot better it it is about one thing which i think is going to be a running tally from now on episodes that are just about the one thing that aren't about six things you know focused episodes that was about Pooh and jula and the kids and that is all it's about a it, it has it gets a, a plus mark for me a check mark if i was grading the paper check Got it. One thing, it's about, it it nails characterization largely, uh, doesn't have a lot of zaniness, except for that ending. Uh, um, But it's good,
1: Matt. If you're waiting for me to agree, I definitely agree. Okay,
0: that's what I'm waiting for. When I, when I, there's a big pause, Matt, I'm waiting for you to fill in the gap.
1: Oh, okay. So you agree? I definitely agree. Wholeheartedly. It's good. It is surprisingly good. Like blood from a stone, Matt. That's me. I'm the stone. We'll rank it at the end of the show.
0: No submissions for this for my favorite episode. And this episode is certainly not broken. No, for no, sure. No, definitely not. So uh, if you have a favorite episode, send it in to SimpsonsShowPod at gmail.com. Explain why it's your favorite. And this includes all the episodes that you that we have missed. If you hadn't get your submission in for whatever reason or for whatever reason I missed it, send it in. And I will read them in our holiday episode. Next up, Matt, we can move on to our next segment. It is time. For comments on the news group. Okay, here
2: we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive.
0: In comments on the news group, I read through the old Simpsons news group, see what people were talking about the week or two after an episode debuted, what they thought of the episode, anything else interesting pops up. Everyone likes this one, Matt.
1: Well, I'm sure compared to the ones they were used to getting, it's, that's probably a good thing.
0: I mean, it's not – I mean, I read them last week. There were people who loved last week's episode. They've been, there's been people who loved every single episode. Uh, I think largely it's the consensus is the thing that is different on this one is that everyone liked it. There, uh, there were no, True. no zero, usually negative ones that I saw, um, which is uh, makes sense because this episode n- makes sense, and I think that goes a long way. Uh, I have I pulled one. This is an A A plus uh, review. Season eleven continues with a roar of laughter. That is with the second best episode of the Scully era after Natural Born Kissers. We couldn't entirely escape a tactile entry full of awkward jokes, but it is one of the shortest in recent memory. Even the obligatory celebrity cameo sets itself apart by parodying the big-name guest star gimmick. Matt Selman shows yet again that he alone, among the renewal writers, un- fully understands the show. Exaggeration over our modern-day idiosyncrasies replaces all-out zaniness. Through character interaction stands in from formulaic subplots, and laughs are enhanced by a story that bring out meaningful emotion, not aimed at ripping our care for the character to shreds. Which, that... What it says about Matt Selman is 100% how I agree with that. Yeah. Because throughout the rest of The Simpsons tenure, Matt Selman is... I don't like all of his episodes, but whenever I see one that his name is on it, I take note, and I usually like it. um, Because Hmm. all those things, I think, are true. I think he does understand the show, and as the years go by, he still is one of the the most reliable writers uh, and understands... The character and heart stuff that it sometimes ignores or avoids. Uh, another question raised that I thought was interesting now that we, we have the benefit of hindsight. Uh, in future episodes, what will happen to the eight kids? Will they still be young and not age like everyone else? Or will they be older, making for some more interesting plots? Nope. They
1: stay babies. No, definitely not.
0: They stay babies. They don't want to deal with Apu having a bunch of like older children. To, and plus, it would raise questions like, "Why are these kids aging, and all the other ones aren't?" It unfortunately does. I don't know. It it kind of pigeonholes Pooh in some regard because he's always going to be now the guy with eight kids. So a lot of the jokes that were a Pooh jokes now are just though a Pooh has eight kids now. Jokes, you know. There's still Pooh episodes, and there's still not all of them are about children. But a lot of the short references that could have been used for a Pooh being I don't know how ha- different facets of his character being explored. A lot of the time it comes back to, he's tired from having eight children.
2: Yeah.
1: Which is
0: true, but I'd like, you know, I, you know, every <laughs> character should have more, have more stuff explored about them, you know, especially for a show that's gone on for so long. Um, that, but that's it. I thought that was, you know, interesting noting, like that is, that's an interesting question. Like when you're introducing like, and Apu is one of the very few characters in the show that has continuity applied to him. You know, he gets
1: married, he has kids. Those things stay. That's true, because really, that doesn't happen to anyone else. I mean, Mona pretty much stays dead. There's that. Even though they've been around um, it multiple times lately. With oh, yeah. Ghosts and flashbacks and stuff. But
0: the ghost thing bothers me.
1: Well, it bothers everybody, I'm pretty I, sure. I, I but yeah, you're right. Apu is really the only one that it sticks to, because no one else has any big changes besides, you know, characters dying because their voice actors go away. Right. Um. That's it for
0: for that. Comics to News Group. We move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the
2: week. Let's try one more number. (gasps) Yellow. KPBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener
0: question of the week this week is, what is Homer's greatest achievement? A lot of variety in these answers, which I always really appreciate. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who took the time to answer. First, from Colin, driving Frank Grimes to insanity. I mean... In a meta kind of way, it's my fa- it absolutely is his greatest achievement because it's <laughs> well, my well fa- yeah I mean that is our number one episode so episode. I think would agree it's my favorite episode. Uh, from Nick, I honestly think, and this will sound cheesy, but as much as he undermines them, his family is his greatest achievement. They stand by him through everything he's done. So much dumb crap they should have left him, but they stay together. So there's that. I agree. I agree. Tommy, he managed to down sixty four slices of American cheese. As you know, Robbie, this is not an easy task. Yeah, it is. It is the grossest thing I've ever done. Wow. Ever. I, I would drink 10 milkshakes before I tried to eat the cheese again. That's, that's, that's really intense. Wow. <laughs> totally true. No, I'm not. That's not hyperbole. From Wayne, a dream house, two cars, a beautiful wife, a son who owns a factory, fancy clothes and lobsters for dinner. I'm not going to, I, you know, I'm not going to ignore. Homer's enemy references, uh, from from Sarah. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the series as a whole for this question. I'm going to say Homer's family is his greatest achievement. His loyalty to the, his loyalty to them through thick and thin. Yes, I'm including some and Patty here, along with Grandpa Mona, Marge's mother, and even including Ned Flanders, because because Ned truly is Homer's brother. So yes, Homer's loyalty and and uh and remaining with his family is his greatest achievement. Uh, from Jacob holding strong at second place to an inanimate carbon rod. Uh, Shanny's answer simply Lisa Simpson. Uh, Sean, his kids. Lisa's brilliant. One day will change the world. Bart is cunning and scheme better than anyone. And Maggie, is a freaking baby that can wield firearms, knock out people trying to kill Homer with a boulder, and so much more. Uh, Chris's answer also simply landing Marge. Mm-hmm. Not, not a bad idea, Chris. That's, that's pretty uh, good. Uh, and, or, and or and or keeping Marge, I would add. Uh, Brandon at Funny Film Fam surviving after eat quote after eating quote unquote the sandwich. I think it's <sighs> I think it's really funny in the is the fact that. As soon as I, I knew exactly what sandwich he's talking about, and everyone listening knew exactly what sandwich he was talking about. It doesn't yep. even – I don't even need to go any further. That's the brilliance of it. Um, Ryan, EID9, being able to tell the difference between butter and I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> uh, from o- Occam's Rancor, at Corey Pierce Art, the most he ever threw up. It is an achievement. Laura, Lauren. At El Columbia 88. I thought long and hard about all of Homer's greatest achievements. I have to say the best is being Mr. Sparkle, he boasts he will banish dirt to the land of wind and ghosts. There's your answer official. I don't know if
1: that can be counted as a Homer's achievement, though. He didn't really do anything, it just happened to happen to him. Matt, hmm.
0: if we're going to start disqualifying things because they just happened to happen to Homer, eh. this list is going to be a lot shorter. Fair enough. Andrew at the Andrew blog, a friend of the show. There's only one correct answer to this question that's helping create Lisa Simpson in Homer's own. Words, I just want you to know I've always been proud of you. you're my greatest accomplishment from lisa's wedding
1: oh true, that's so
0: true so true will at will's world m n eating the whole thing, which it could be many things honestly it doesn't you it could be that specific situation or a lot of things that Homer has eaten the whole thing of. Uh, professor at Yes, I would Kent. Challenging Tatum for the heavyweight title, despite only fighting hobos at Moe's up until that point, not being able to throw a punch, and not knowing who the heavyweight champ is in the sport he's competing in. True. Uh, Stuart at Arch- Archangel of Glow, helping Hank Scorpio take over the Eastern Seaboard and being the owner of the Denver Broncos. Just kidding. I'm sure it is being married to Marge and his family. Yeah. James at James the Greek, 22. Paying off the mortgage and then Maggie makes three without having Marge work. Yeah. I mean, that was technically, what, the late 80s, right? Is when, and Maggie Makes Three takes place, or early 90s? Technically, yeah. Well, based on when it came out, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Doing that today, much harder, much more difficult. Uh, from Snow Hood Swan at Swan Hood Swan, Homer's great achievement is my eyes is Homer not choking Bart to death considering how many times he has done it. It's a lot. And finally, Crystal Tiger at Crystal Tiger 5. I think Homer Simpson's greatest achievement is being at the dinner table every night, loves his family through thick and thin, and helping others in the only way Homer Simpson can. A lot of wholesome answers in this week's uh, answers, and I I like that a lot. I appreciate that. Matt, what's your
1: answer? It's actually a really tough one, Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with the 64 slices of American cheese, because as you pointed out, That is next to damn near impossible. Like, I'm pretty sure competitive eaters probably could not handle that. There are a lot of foods they can handle, but that's... It's really bad. Um, I I wonder... I
0: I bet. I I know there are people online who have taken the challenge, and and I don't think there's any recorded people doing it and succeeding. But I wonder if I called attention to, like, there's... I don't know if you know this, Matt, but there are a bunch of YouTube channels that are dedicated to competitive eating... (laughs) Well, I'm sure, and I, uh, I recently, I watched one just uh, two nights ago. Man eat a man eat a five and a half pound skillet full of burgers, fries, and meat in thirteen minutes. That's insane. Five and a half pounds of food in thirteen minutes. Um, my answer is Lisa. I agree with uh, like a lot of our listeners. Lisa is Homer's greatest achievement, in his own words. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of world impact, yeah. Considering if we are taking for canon that she eventually is our president, and hopefully a good president, um, Lisa's the right answer. I don't, you know, she is she's the best of him. She's the best thing that they've they've that the Simpsons, him and Marge, have made. So it's what my gut goes. My my gut says so. That's what I'm going to go with. Our question for next week is: What is your favorite supporting child character? So not Ooh. not Lisa, Bart, or Maggie. Any other kid. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all know my answer already, but, you know. I don't think I do, Matt. I have a guess, but I'm not sure if it's right. So what is your favorite? Uh, I'll post this question on all of our social media, facebook.com slash Pod, twitter at Pod, and you can email us at simpsonshowpod at gmail.com. And like us and follow us and all those, all those things. Uh, get uh, new episodes posted directly in your social media feed. If that's what you want, we can move on to our next segment. It is time for the No Google Trivia Challenge.
2: I am too smart. I am too smart.
0: S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard, and try and stump the other. I have a lead this season. I am so excited. I'm winning by nine points, but it's still He's only totally cheating. I'm not. Che- Matt, how am I cheating? I'm not sure yet,
1: but I'll figure it out. Okay,
0: As lo- it, it, that's yes. You mean you mean I've answered more questions right than you? If that's cheating exactly. to you, then that's exactly what has happened. I know yep. it's I know it's strange and foreign to you. You're not used to it, but believe me, it has actually happened. And if it's luck, I'll take it. You ready for an easy question, Matt? I'm ready. This is all. These are all from Mr. Plow.
1: Ooh, okay. What celebrity do they meet at the car show? I believe that is Adam West. That's correct. All righty, all right. Your easy question for today: What Matt Groening characters does Homer use for his puppet show in Homer's Triple Bypass? I mean, is it the? Now you got me second guessing myself. It's the obvious answer. Don't worry, I wouldn't do that for you for an easy question.
0: It's the Life and Hell bunnies, right? Or is it Akbar and whatever? Say that's the the Akbar th-
1: and Jeff. Yeah, there Akbar you go. Akbar
0: and Jeff. I was like, I, I mean, those are the two. Those are the only things it could be. It could be the two bunnies, or it could be Akbar and Jeff. So Akbar and Jeff, Matt, so, do I get the point for that? Akbar and Jeff, yes, you were correct, oh, Robbie. It is thank, Akbar thank, and Jeff. Thank you. I don't know. That uh. seems that's that's tricky. That's tricky. That's a tricky answer. Not everyone is familiar. I know. I'm mm-hmm. not everyone is familiar with Life and Hell. Would you suggest Life and Hell to a, an average Simpsons fan? Matt? No. <laughs> it's hard nope, to nope, no. Nope. It's hard to. I don't think any collections are. I don't know if the collections are in print still. Like that's I, I, true. That's that's the thing. Um, your medium question, Matt. On what channel does Homer buy commercial time for Mr. Plow?
1: It is, oh God, oh God. I want to say it's somewhere in the 90s, but I cannot remember which one. Man, channel Angry Loners, The Unemployable. (laughs) Oh man, what is it? Channel 9. Oh man, what was it? I'm gonna go with channel ninety-seven. I'm sorry, man. Oh. ninety-two.
0: Ninety-two. So not fair. I mean, you had a chance. Uh, you know, you knew you narrowed it down. Uh huh. You had a ten percent chance. What's mm-hmm. my main mm-hmm. question?
1: All right. How much does Santa's little helper's surgery cost in Dog of Death? Seven hundred dollars. Ooh, so close. Seven
0: hundred and fifty. Ah, uh, man. I swear it was seven. Seven fifty. What what is the thing they give up so that they save him? Is it foundation repair? Or is that a different episode?
1: That's a different episode. Okay. Uh, they give up a lot of various things. Right. Okay. Like Bart gets his haircut cut on um uh the the barber's college kind of thing. Right. 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 Homer gives up yeah. beer or something. Yeah. Homer gives up beer. Uh, Marge gives up her weekly lottery ticket, which causes her to not win. And right. Lisa gives up uh, the books.
0: Oh right, future. Scholars of America book club or something like that, exactly or encyclopedias, something some subscription book subscription. Okay, Matt, your hard question: What are the phone numbers for Mister Plow and the Plow King?
1: Mister Plow and the Plow King. Oh my gosh. Okay, um, okay. It is K O five six seven nine eight. It's one of them. Which one? Oh, I have to know which one. Yeah, identify them. Mister Plow is oh, this? Man. Plow King is this? Okay. That one is for the Plow King, Mister Plow is. Oh man, I know this. I swear I know this. Okay. You have to give me a second. Okay. If you if you pull this pull both of out, I'd be very impressed, man. Yeah, because I I can hear the song in my head. What the Plow King song? Yes. Or the
0: snow or the Mister Plow song.
1: Uh, both like. I remember Homer. Homer offers a free T-shirt, and it's another one of those weird ones that has letters in it, which I guess is a really old sign about KL five KL five three two two six. That's yeah, Mister Plow's. That's Mister Plow. And what was Plow King again? Uh, KL five six seven nine eight. Well, Matt, you've got
0: Mister Plow right, but Plow King. It's KL5-4796. 47? What am I thinking then? Uh, I mean, in the early days, they used a lot of KL5 numbers, so you may perhaps be thinking of a different fake phone number that they used throughout the years. But I'll give you a point.
1: Well, thank you. You're so generous, sir.
0: Because that is pretty difficult to do.
1: For real, man. Jeez. All right. Anyway. hmm I've got a hard question for you if you're ready. I'm probably not. All right, fair enough. Uh what two reindeers does Homer insert into the uh you know the Santa's reindeer song, uh, Rudolph, in Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire? Oh God, um, I want to
0: say it's like he calls on blank on blank blank on blank blank, and they're not real. Uh, he ins- um,
1: no, I'll give you. This. They are not actual reindeer.
0: Yeah, I realize. Um, like Donna. Donna Dixon and Prancer. I don't know. I don't remember. That's so long ago. <laughs> you are, you were actually pretty close. It is Nixon and Donna Dixon. Nixon and Donna Dixon. OK. I haven't watched. I, haven't, I last time I watched that that episode was for this podcast.
1: Wow. That, that was like a long time ago. Four, four
0: years ago, I think. How time flies. So, Matt, you made up a point
1: on me. Well, how about that? Now I'm now I'm back to single digits or was I No, already no, in now, single digits? now you're an eight eight points behind.
0: Ooh. So I would say you don't I don't you're doing fine. We got a long season. I you understand what it's like to be in my position. I suppose we can move on with that to our final segment. The segment we win every single episode with it is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever this is the part show Matt. And I rank the episodes categorically, so we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. All right, Matt. My first question for you is: This better than
1: Mom and Pop Art? Better than? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, any particular reason you chose that? It's the best season ten and
0: eleven episode aside from Bart the Mother. I think Bart the, is Bart the Mother okay. in season ten. Or is that in season nine? I think it's... Uh, I believe season... it's
1: the first or second episode of season 10. Right.
0: So, Bart the Mother is, the by far and ahead the number, I think, our best episode so far of the oh, Skull yeah. of Years. But Mom and Pop Art is... And also, Mom and Pop Art is directly below Flaming Moe's.
1: Oh, that, which, that is our usual cutoff point. Yeah,
0: which is like very... Like, it is a, a clear demarcation line. And, you know, and below Mom and Pop Art is, they say, Lisa's brain, which I think both of those are very strong... Season 10 slash
1: 11 episodes. Is this the same level as those? It's in the range. I don't think it's better than both of those, uh, but it's close. It's got a coherent plot structure. Uh, there are jokes, good jokes, and it's not... There are points, such as in that last little, uh, you know, Homer's replacement show. They're just stupid, but I can kind of forgive that because it's, it's the kind of thing Homer might come up with. I just think they could have come up with something better for that. So... I don't know. I want to put it a little bit lower than that. Like I'm looking around, probably somewhere around Lost Art Lisa 146, because I don't think it's quite as good as those, but it's it's close. Um, I don't think it's as good as Fear of Flying. Uh, really? I, I could. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Fear of Flying was a surprisingly good episode, better than I remembered, essentially, just because it, it has. What's that? I would say it's this episode is very similar to Fear of Flying
0: to me in that it is a, a solid episode that has a solid structure to it and a few memorable things. Um, but there are some smaller details that bring it down.
1: Um, exactly. Because I was actually going to say like I would put it right behind fear of flying, but you know, Bart, the lover and Bart's friend falls in love are directly beneath that. I think it's better than those two, but I could be convinced it's better than fear of flying. I think,
0: I think it's very similar to fear of flying. I think it's mostly personal preference that I prefer this to fear of flying. Um, I don't. I think my. I. I kind of. I don't know. I. Uh, I. I kind of have a. My. My. My little. My little dislike. My. My kind of semi dislike for Fear of Flying is the fact that it is a Marge episode that does a thing that a lot of Marge episodes do, and at the end, instead of giving her a meaningful arc, it just ends up with a lame gag. Yeah. Which is what Springfield with a dollar sign does. It is what. Uh. It is what Fear of Flying does. You know, it doesn't resolve anything. It's just, oh, Marge's a problem and she still has a problem. Let's have a joke. And, you know, this in the end of Fear of Flying, it is the plane crashes and there's water at their feet. The end of Springfield with a dollar sign. She leaves with Homer and Homer cracks jokes at her. Like, I, you know, like I could it's a thing we complain about a lot is that there's very few Marge episodes that really end on a meaningful thing and it's not like eight Misbehaven doesn't it like it has the same thing where it ends with this weird gag that doesn't land and it unhelp it kind of undercuts you know the greater emotional arc emotional beats of the episode um i would put it above fear of flying but i think it's it's a hair's breadth difference
1: i i can agree with that like i said this is the like you said, this is almost exactly the same kind of episode, and I was, you know, equivocating it, basically. So putting a hair ahead, I'm totally okay with that. Okay. So that's uh, 143 on our list is 8.
0: Misbehaving. There's no G on the end of that misbehaving, so don't even start pronouncing nope, Don't that. you put it there. Don't uh, someone's going to get mad. Don't you dare pronounce that G. we got real people get upset. Um, that's 143 on our list right above fear, flying right below dumbbell indemnity. Our number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last on our list is still When You Dish Upon a Star. Ugh, that's a bad episode. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> I'm bad i sure we'll ep- find a worse one. Speaking of bad episodes, our next episode, Matt, is Take My Wife Sleaze.
1: Oh, God. It's the motorcycle. We're, up. we're actually up for a murderer's row of, of, Mo- of bad episodes. Motor- got, take My wife's. Go ahead. I say, we have a Take My Wife sleeves, Grift of the Magi, Little Big Mom, Faith Off, The Mansion Family, Saddlesore Galactica, and then the, oh my God, Alone Again, Natural Diddly, and Missionary Impossible. Then we get to Pygmalion, which I remember as being okay. But man, it's going to be a rough couple of months.
0: I, th- I actually think I remember liking Little Big
1: Mom. Which one is that one? Because that's the one I remember the least. Leprosy. Fake Leprosy. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I don't think I laughed a whole lot. Take My Wife's Sleeves. I don't know. Again, maybe
0: I'm wrong. I might be misremembering the greater gist of Take My Wife's Sleeves. I know that Marge gets kidnapped and then they have a duel with motorcycles, literally using them as swords. So that's what I think of in that episode. Maybe it's. It does have Hell Satan's, which is a good joke. (laughs) Yeah. Hell Satan's is a good joke. But we'll talk about that next week. Uh, We'll talk about that then. Uh, That'll wrap us up before we go. Uh, you can go to our website, com. Check out everything there. Facebook, uh, Twitter, RSS feed. Links to everything to our Patreon. If you want to throw the show a couple dollars, help us out. Get some bonus episodes along the way. We'd obviously appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. Please check out my other podcasts, The Handsome Boys Comic Sour. It's about comic books and the serial fanaticist. It's about lots of nerdy things. This week's episode is me cooking meatloaf and watching an old cookie show, cooking show, talking it over with...
1: Ooh, fun! It was.
0: It's a. It, it's a. It was a weird thing that I found, and I'm really, I'm really glad I did because it's a really delightful cooking show. I wish more of it existed online. Um, Matt does not participate in social media. There's a certain level of Patreon backer you want to
1: find him. Uh, that's true. Although inspired by recent uh, discoveries of uh, water ice on the moon, I have decided to go live up there for a while and try and make a go of it. Because apparently you can make anything you need uh, with just, you know, water. I can make rocket fuel. I can make oxygen. Uh, I have water. Uh, so if you need me, just uh, point your little laser at the reflector that Apollo 11 dropped there. And, uh, you know, I'll pick up the message and send it right back. I, I mean, I don't think it's just as simple. Oh, I have water. Now I have rocket fuel. I'm pretty sure it is, Robbie. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so
0: excited. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And you keep watching The Citizens. <laughs>